The Southern U Podcast is brought to you by Darton Archery. For over 70 years, Darton Archery has been leading the way in archery innovation. With over 30 patents spanning over 60 years, it's easy to see why many archers and bow hunters have chosen to shoot a dart. Darton's patented dual sync cam system gives the archer one quarter inch draw length adjustments, adjustable holding weight options ranging from 85% to 65%, and the super easy to tune e-system for quick adjustments and perfect arrow flight. For more information or to find an authorized Darton dealer, visit dartonarchery.com. That's D-A-R-T-O-N-A-R-C-H-E-R-Y.com. You're listening to the Southern U Podcast, brought to you by Darton Archery on the OKS Podcast Network, with your host Taylor McMurtry, Jeremy Ferguson, and Matt Brock. All right, welcome to the Southern U Podcast. Today we are not live, but we are here in the Killing Cabin huh. in uh, Fayette, Alabama, uh, stomping grounds of. Mr. Matt Brock here. That's a fact. And uh, we, of course, joined with local uh, AL Deer celebrity, Matt. And, uh, Keep bringing that up. <laughs> and, the one and only. Yes. And, of course, uh, Mr. Jeremy Ferguson uh, is uh, here with us, too. So, what are you famous for, Jeremy? Apparently, just nothing but killing flies. Okay. Well, it was yeah. pretty impressive. I mean, it I was. enjoyed it. And uh, not only are we here in the killing cabin uh we're gonna get to do some hunting tomorrow uh would have gotten to do some today but i could not make it down here in time because the universe is against me <laughs> you didn't miss much don't worry about it no. yeah well uh i just wanted to get down here because you hear the legends of the deer that roam around these parts and i'm looking around at this wall right here and uh there's plenty on the wall to get excited some about. some strong evidence yeah for sure and, uh, yeah, so we've got a great show. Um, before we jump into the topic of discussion, I'm just going to give everybody a quick update. I know um, on the last episode we talked about um, some of you guys heading out west, heading to Kansas, and having lots of fun out there. So I think uh, the people want to know probably how that went. You know, So, well, Matt, you want to kick it off and we'll see how your, how your uh, adventure went? Yeah, I can say there was much fun had. Um in eight days of hunting, I didn't see a deer over 115 inches. Oh, man, you could have done that here. I, oh, I know. I mean, exactly. I, I, I exceeded that here before <laughs> going to Kansas. So, so all you folks wanting to go to Kansas, stay at home. Yeah, just stay at home. It's not quit, worth quit it. Quit applying for tags. Yeah. Uh, no, I had a great hunt. Um, I started out hunting walk-in areas and had a, a little challenge the first couple of days getting away from people. Uh, but I located some properties that were pretty good. Uh, a lot of deer sign, saw deer, uh, not the kind of activity I was expecting to see. Um, it really seemed like the the older bucks were uh, awesome. That's sweet. What is that? That's, that's the dryer. That's the dryer. <laughs> we're drying bed sheets, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so we can all get in bed <laughs> Sorry, after this guys, is over. You can tell us the first hunt of the year. <laughs> I don't know if you guys will be able to hear that or not, but uh, anyway, it's always something new. Happening. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You never know. So, um, 
The no, and just wait. I'm sorry. What? It's coming again. Oh. Great. Oh yeah. It did double double it, buzzes. It, it, don't it'll it? double buzz. In a minute. <laughs> yeah. So um, you Kill know, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I was there hunting at what I feel like is probably the best time to catch a big deer on his feet. Um, I started hunting on the 14th of November and hunted until the 21st, 22nd. I can't remember now, but either way, um. Didn't see any big deer on their feet. Even at night driving around to and from, going to my hunting locations, didn't see a lot of activity from the roads. Um, had similar reports from other people that I was in communication with while up there. Um, I saw two bucks chasing the same doe one morning, or one afternoon, it's one afternoon. I went in and hung a stand to hunt the following morning and didn't really have anywhere to hunt that afternoon, so I just hunted from the ground. And had several deer within range and two small eights chasing a doe uh they, they locked up and it was a it was a fight to the death i mean one of them one of them had blood in his eyes uh it was it was a sight to behold uh, i didn't have my camera because i was from the ground you know and i just like i'm just gonna try to kill a deer i'm not filming anything right now but sorry um, guys yeah sorry <laughs> i didn't get to see that i wish you could but um it was about as exciting as as uh, a buck fight can get and um, I did meet a farmer one afternoon, and he allowed me to hunt his private place. And Score. Yes, and I was like, yes, thank you, Lord. I've only got two and a half days of hunting left, but, you know, a lot can happen in five minutes in Kansas. Oh, yeah. So um, I went and scouted the place, and, and the only mature deer I saw was from the truck window with him. And we saw, I'm going to say, mid-140s to 150 class deer run across the field and he went right into the little finger of, of woods that i was there to hunt so i mean this guy had a lot of ag and, and just one big draw of timber and it was surrounded by great habitat a lot of cover so i was like man this is gonna be great because if these deer are leaving this scope of cover to go to this scope of cover and i'm in the middle i'm i'm golden and it worked out great because i had six bucks um i think i had six bucks between 100 and 115 inches, you know, they were all two-year-olds. Every one of them was two. Mm. One of them may have been a one-year-old. Mm. Um, but they were all, you know, just nice young deer. And um, everyone in bow range, does in bow range. And I finally ended up killing a doe, the, the biggest doe I've ever seen in my life. Um, the last few minutes of the, the last hunt, uh, I was covered up in does and fawns. And I was like, I'm, I'm filling a tag, you know. I, I, one... Those Midwest deer taste so much better than our southern deer. It's not even comparable. It's not like eating the same animal. Well, mm -mm. they don't eat briars. No, <laughs> like, you know, exactly. They, they so, like and there's stuff. a lot more of it when yes, you process exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I shot this doe, and I was thinking, you know, I shot a 160-pound doe. No, I didn't. She was freaking huge. She had to be over 200. Really? I've walked up on several 200-pound deer. Here in Alabama, um, <clears throat> she was larger than – I'm I'm gonna say nearly every buck I've killed here. She she may have gone two twenty. Gosh. I wish I could have weighed her. She was big. Yeah, for sure. That's a big old. She was enormous. Just huge. Just swallowed my bow. I put my bow up beside her, and I was just like, "That's the biggest <laughs> deer I've ever killed." And it don't have antlers. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> but yeah, so that that um that was my trip. I killed a bobcat up there too. They're um. Their season for non-residents opened up November the fifteenth for for Bob. You can, get, you can buy a Bobcat permit. Oh, okay, gotcha. And uh, I was able to 
uh, call one in on the 17th. So uh, I'm like a bobcat magnet. <laughs> I see them everywhere yes, I go. Is. That's funny. I've seen, I've laid eyes on one bobcat from the stand. You know, what I mean? from the wood. Like in my lifetime, I've seen one. I'll see nine or ten, twelve a season. That's crazy, mm-hmm. man. Just neck of the woods, I guess. I, well, and one, I remember one year uh, I was out for Christmas. I think it was in college, and um, between me and Dad, in one week of hunting out here, we saw seven. <laughs> wow! In one week. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. Well, mm-hmm. sounds like uh, you had, you know, all things considered, you know, hey, a roller coaster of emotion. It was a productive all. trip. Yeah, you sure. know, I got to release a couple arrows and had a good time. So I'm not complaining about it at all. No doubt. No doubt, Jeremy. Uh, you were also in Kansas, but I, not yeah, not but too terribly far away from him, I guess. But hunting what two hours? Maybe yeah, two and a half about hours. Two hours. But hunting different property. Yeah, know. total different story for me uh he gets to hunt the nice you know yeah now you know full disclosure i was hunting with an outfitter uh outfitter's friend of mine i guide for him and i generally uh put in for tag and buy a hunt from him every year because you know my my time is very limited to get in the woods and uh i know that property or those properties produce really well and so i've i've been successful the last two years he's done quite well quite well yeah um but i saw totally the opposite end of the spectrum i was covered up in in deer activity saw plenty of bucks he was texting me like every morning (laughs) like oh i just saw the seventh buck of the morning and i just shut up just do your things in 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 two sets on the you know on the same farm uh i saw 11 different bucks 11 different individuals in a morning and afternoon set and uh of course then my dumb self decides to get up and not hunt there anymore went different set on the same farm and uh actually was hunting a Boone and Crockett type deer that that we know is there and pictures of and seen in years past got a little history with and uh nobody saw the deer that I'm aware of I know I I didn't lay eyes on him but uh the deer I ended up killing I saw the second morning that i was hunting and immediately when i laid eyes on him i I switched from wanting to kill that boone and crockett to to this deer which is just he's a more mature deer gnarly deer i'm a y'all y'all know i'm a sucker for big old gnarly deer he's a beast yeah and and here in the south i'm after the big five sixes and sevens out there you know just anything that's unique really really gets me going you know after a whitetail and First laid eyes on him, I was like, I'm killing that deer. However I've got to do it, I'm killing that deer. <laughs> and uh, he was very aggressive. Uh, I saw a ton of aggressive activity uh, in, in every hunt. And, you know, rattled in six or seven different deer. That's um, awesome. You know, twos and threes and four-year-olds. And, I rattled in a spike. <laughs> and, and, you know, all the respect in the world to you guys that are doing the self-filming that's tough. <laughs> I mean, I you know, my, I've got footage and we'll we'll put some stuff together, but it's it's not great. You know, m- me trying to get deer dead and also trying to get it in the frame, and it's uh, I struggled and and didn't make it happen. Although I killed the deer, and you can hear the arrow hit. 
Spoiler, it's not on film. <laughs> uh, we can show you the results, though. Hey, look, man, I tried telling both of you guys, like, it's it's hard. And shout out to Parker McDonald, Southern Collective. Uh, a couple years ago, he put out a film uh, for, like, a contest. It was, like, a film festival thing, and it was called Self-Filming Sucks. <laughs> this, yeah. It's and awful. It's, and it's hard. It man. is. It just, it's, I didn't realize what we were getting into. No, I was I'm, like – it's difficult. Yeah. Having, uh, especially with a bow in your hand, I mean, not to Tough. say that it's easy with a gun or anything like that still, but the, the kind All of the saying factors. is. It's just another layer of oh, gear and stuff that you have yes. to tinker with, and there's that fiddle factor, and yep. it's yeah, just. Sure. Uh, the fiddle factor is terrible. It's awful. Yeah. Uh, uh, for sure. I mean, I've got a lot of respect for these folks that self-film all their hunts because oh, yeah. it's, it's, um, it's stressful. The, the footage of one deer that I've got is phenomenal. And had he been old enough, oh, it would have made great TV. But he was a three-year-old, you know, 130-inch, 10 maybe. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he read the script, did everything right. And I'm like, golly, why couldn't any other buck do that? And uh, so, you know, I I didn't have to call the deer in that I, that I ended up killing. But uh, I heard him coming from a pretty good ways, just grunting, just constantly coming from behind me. And uh, – had just filmed another buck come by, a young buck chasing a doe, probably 10 minutes or so earlier. And uh, he come, same trail. So I was quite certain he was going to take same trail, you know, on her track. And he did, and uh rest is history. Heck uh, yeah, man. Beautiful deer. Um, the landowner there's got some history with the deer. You know, it, I'm not hunting too terribly far from their, their house. Uh, out in the cattle pasture, and uh, they they knew of that deer and started seeing him at least four years ago. And he kind of he's got a pretty recognizable, real tight, narrow rack and tall. And uh, so we we felt fairly confident it's probably a six year old deer, maybe maybe older. But you know they had some history at least four, maybe five years with him. So it was a blast. Terrible yeah. shot. <laughs> um, you know, just for be, to be honest about it, I made a terrible shot, gut shot the deer. Knew that I gut shot the deer, so uh, we'll we'll tag some some guys here and, and some of this stuff. The, I got a guy with a dog there that was local, uh, great little beagle pup, came in and struggled a little bit to get on on track, but once he did, you know, went right to him, and I feel confident that we would have found the deer. Uh, mm-hmm. just tracking even though there was very little blood uh, very little sign you know, guts plugged the hole up it, you know obviously it was a lethal shot deer went i think on track 538 yards but got in the creek bottom stayed on our farm the whole time and of course we found him in the creek uh, and so you you immediately backed out and waited till the next day immediately or? yeah i didn't even go to the era after the shot um you knew what you know, happened. I, I, I knew that I knew where I hit him. Sure. And uh, He described this, it perfectly because I was talking to him in text message, and he said, I hit him four inches behind the ribs. And I was like, four inches behind the ribs, you probably shot him in the kidney. That's like way back here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I actually did yeah. <laughs> clip <laughs> some kidney. Really? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, for folks that make bad shots, don't, don't push it. I mean, these yeah. guys with dogs are great. Uh, and really experienced blood trackers, you know, as far as you know people goes you know i feel confident we could have found the deer but i wasn't willing to chance it mm-hmm. um i knew that a dog was going to find the deer 
uh, felt confident we probably could, but I wasn't going to take that chance. Sure. Uh, if you're ever in doubt, back out. Yeah, give, absolutely. Give the deer some time. Most of those deer are recoverable. You we just got to uh, give them enough time. We gave that deer 18 hours before we took up the track, mm-hmm. and we let it rain. Mm-hmm. It, it, we, had a, we had a big front coming through. It started raining for two days, and, uh, you know, we, we took the track with the dog after it had been raining for three or four hours. And I think that's a little bit why the dog struggled there, even though I know moisture helps. Um, I, I think it probably overwhelmed him a little bit because there's so many deer in that area mm. that I was hunting. And during the rut, you know, the, the deer leaving that excited pheromone around. Uh, so it, it's tough on dogs. But uh, once he picked it up, man, he went he went right to him. That's cool, man. But yeah, that's um – Pretty good. There's still – I know that kind of the rest of the country is not winding down. I mean, there's still a lot of season left, but kind of what people get excited about with the ruts kind of starting to wind down for most of the country. Here, it's not really started yet. It uh, hasn't Mm-mm. even uh, really picked up at all, uh, From even from other parts of the state. I'm not really seeing very many reports of people talking about deer chasing, uh, unless you're getting closer to Georgia. Mm-hmm. Kind of yeah, that we've, line. We've got yeah. a couple areas. Yeah, the Bankhead area. Bankhead area is pretty early, and mm-hmm. then they killed some fine deer too. They do. They have killed some yeah. really nice deer this year. In that area around the Chattahoochee, that that influence over there, mm-hmm. like you're talking about Georgia, mm-hmm. we got some small pockets that they've they've done their thing and kind of winding down now, but it's. A minute part of. I've the just state. started seeing active scrapes here in the last few days. Gotcha. And it's December the first. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I was. This has been several years ago, but my dad and I got in a lease uh, that was split properties, and the whole draw of doing that was all the guys that were in the lease too. They, they had been there for previous years and and uh, had history there. And uh, one piece of property is literally like six miles down the road but it's closer to the Georgia line. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was in Randolph County. And they said, look, the week of Thanksgiving, I don't care what you have going on. You go stuff your face with turkey, kiss your grandma, do whatever you're going to do, and get down here because there's deer running everywhere mm-hmm. the week of Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. After that, it's a ghost town. Mm-hmm. Then you go hunt the other property that's more traditional Alabama rut, you know, late December, yeah, you know, early January type stuff. Mm-hmm. And we were like, Okay, you know, yeah. it can't be that much different than it was. It oh, was yeah. crazy. It certainly can it, be. It was uh, kind of wild. But anyways, um, so with that being said, uh, we're going to jump into the topic of discussion uh, today. And it's one I'm pretty excited about because it's uh, one of those topics that like, I've always sort of like had questions about or wondered about and kind of would like to ask people who were supposed to know and not to put you guys on the spot, supposed but yeah, y'all y'all supposed to know this stuff. So yeah. I'm pretty excited. And got no idea what he's about to ask. No, me. yeah, exactly. really don't. Here we go. <laughs> we haven't so, seen the script. <laughs> no, you haven't. If yeah, if you guys don't know this. Uh, I try my best to not tee these guys up. Like we have a very a, a tentative schedule just to kind of give us a rough idea of what we do on <clears> each episode. But uh, it's not written in stone, and it's changed already a lot <laughs> from yeah. what we had. Um, and so I tried to make this like as you know as authentic and, and genuine as we can make it. And today uh, we're going to be talking about how to, or not, I guess not how to, but uh, talking deer density in the, in the South. So oh boy. like, yeah. So, Fun. Uh, and I guess kind of there's, there's a, I've got 
four questions here. If we work our way through all four of them, that's awesome. If we don't, uh, I just kind of want to take a little bit of a deep dive on this specific topic because, um, number one, over the last several years, Alabama has, and the South in general, but specifically with the state of Alabama, deer numbers have are high and have been high, like as far as deer density. And mm-hmm. uh, I think as recently, we were talking about a couple episodes ago, as recently as like 2019 or 20, something like that, Alabama was like number two in the country in terms of deer population. Mm-hmm. Only behind, I think, Texas maybe. Mm-hmm. or um, Yeah, Texas. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, I mean, that like to me – that's it's pretty interesting to think, especially when you go somewhere and sit four, five, six days and not see a deer. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, where are they? If if you know what I mean. But if they're welcome that many, to mine and your part. Yeah, yeah for right. Real. We yeah. do live in the vacuum, <laughs> uh, not otherwise known as Marshall County, Alabama. Yeah. Um, but I, with that, um, kind of this first question here is how how does someone, a landowner, someone who's got a long term lease. How do what's step number one in determining your deer density on the on a particular piece of property? Like how is there a set formula for that? Is there a you know step one, step two, step three, or is there multiple ways of accomplishing the same goal? Like what's the what's the most accurate way of doing that? Who first? I told y'all I didn't tee them up. Yeah, no. <laughs> and and I, I think different locations can be a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very site specific. Yeah. M- most of the time, folks are going to rely on a camera survey type process. And that's going to be putting out, you know, a game camera every 100 to 200 acres, depending on, you know, really how much money you got mm-hmm. or how much you're willing to pay somebody. Because that camera equipment is expensive and it's, time-consuming to go through all those those pictures and once you complete that you're only going to be i mean we think mad 85 80 85 percent yeah all the research on, is you know you're not going to get 100 percent. right you're mm-hmm. never going to know 100 percent. and and one of the one of the crazy things i always ask is once you know that number what what do you really know Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's true yeah which is i know how many deer i have great uh-huh. you know now what do i do with that right uh but but we won't go down that trail you know first um th- there's other tech technology coming along that doesn't work well for us with a closed canopy uh, coniferous forest here uh mm-hmm. in a big part of our state but uh That's a big word coniferous yeah yeah yes. P- pine trees guys pine trees. um but <laughs> Uh, in other parts of the country, it it's doable to do thermal uh, surveys. Okay, gotcha. Um, especially in colder climates where it's open hardwood canopy and they can fly over and survey, and you can you know you can actually determine what's a deer versus what's a coyote versus mm-hmm. you know other other species fairly well. I mean, it's not it's never a hundred percent, but you can do fairly well. Um, you Sounds do, expensive. It. That, that one is it tremendously can be. It expensive. Can be. Uh, it's coming down because technology is getting, getting better. Uh, that used to be reserved for all the, the research done around military installations because they, they had the equipment. And, uh, now really, that equipment's available to the general yeah, public. Yeah. So. Uh, spotlight surveys were very popular in the past. Um, we still did a few of those when we were 
working for state government. Yes, we did every single fall. Yeah. I'm going to be that guy that's sticking up for people who are not biologists. When you say spotlight survey, what do you mean? You just have a predetermined route that you run each fall, and you drive the route, shine spotlights. So it's at night. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. just you're just tallying the total number of deer. If you can get a sex on them, great, but you just eyeballs. Okay. You're just yep. looking for eyeballs. And, and you're it, it's it all comes down to math. You know, all of it does, but you've got to determine how far your spotlights are and you've got to determine what area you you're covered covering, on that yeah. route. And then you, you know, you use your formulas to figure out how many deer you saw across that area and then extrapolate it into, into the rest of the coverage area. Gotcha. Um, and it can be, it can, it can vary so much, even on the same property yeah, from one be, night to the next, you may record 150 deer and the next absolutely. night you may record 25. Mm. It's, it can be accurate, but by nature, it's fairly inaccurate because it's inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and inconsistent, inconsistencies in that data is pretty normal mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. on a lot of your surveys. Um, I don't know of too many folks still doing pellet count surveys. You know, I know it's been used for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. but And that that's predetermined route you know you're you're laying out these uh transects through a piece of property and you're taking a certain number of feet off of each side and you're counting every pile of deer scat deer poop that you can find okay and you know playing the math again to determine uh the number of deer in that area okay and you can get a lot more technical things like browse surveys and things like that and i i don't do scientific browse surveys i just look at the vegetation that's there mm-hmm. and i see what plant species deer are browsing on mm-hmm. and that doesn't really it doesn't give you a population estimate it just gives you relative to the habitat quality that i have mm-hmm. are the that's deer right. eating things that they typically wouldn't or are they just sticking to right their highly preferred plant choices yeah and that's that's kind of i mean we're not going to get there just yet i want y'all to keep talking but that we're going to lead into that too I right and, ask about. and i use it all collectively yeah. like i don't just rely on a camera survey or just rely on a spotlight survey or just rely on a browse survey right. i look at all the data that i have and then look at the hunter's objectives and if you know if they want a lot of deer that's not a bad thing mm-hmm. but you know if they're managing for mature deer and a tighter breeding window and think we might tweak some of the harvest and habitat mm-hmm. management and that kind of mm-hmm. thing but um well and that's like i'm glad you said that because what I'm specifically talking about or asking you guys about here is strictly just the number right. of deer. Not, right. I'm not, we're not talking about quality of whatever. Um, uh, kind of another story about me and my dad, but we, we got in a lease um, extreme north Alabama in Jackson County. Um, pristine property, like as far as north Alabama is concerned. Well, uh, ja- Jackson County is top what five counties Mm -hmm. in the state and Mm -hmm. and yeah this specifically was not your typical jackson county i don't want to get off in the weeds too bad here but this was uh, about 625 acres and it was every bit of it was huntable like flat as a pancake which is very rare for that jackson county yeah you know Mm -hmm. this this spot looked midwestern and what i mean is 625 acres and it, it had it had pines, it had thick, thick bedding, it had 
um, big hardwoods, uh, kind of sapling, you know, like young hardwood stuff. And then it also had it all added up together in the very center of this property cornfields that all together added up would have been close to 100 acres. Mm. I mean, it was as good what as everybody looks for. Yes, good wonderful. Yeah, but the landowner was very, very, even though he leased the property, this is another story for another time, but um, he had some rules, and he was like, you know, I, I don't want you to shoot this, don't want you to shoot that, blah, 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 blah. And it was like, he, he was trying to get the best of both worlds. I want I want a lot of deer. I want to, every time I go in the woods, I want to see multiple deer, but I also want to have a bunch of big deer too. And we, we were trying to explain to him, like, you you really got to pick one or the other. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, you, you're not going to be able to have a ton of deer and have giant deer too. Like you're going to have to say, I want a lot of deer or I want, you know, because like you said, we're going to get off into food and you know what the property can handle and all that kind of stuff in a little bit. But it was just frustrating because you couldn't explain to him it's like, well, I don't want you killing a bunch of stuff and wiping all my deer herd out, but I still mm-hmm. want big deer. And like, okay. You know, it was, it was just, it was just kind of frustrating, but um, but as I said, all that to say, we're talking numbers, not necessarily quality, you know, management mm-hmm, right. for age structure and that sort of stuff. So, um, anything you want to add or take away from, I guess, that question? Or is there any any other methods that somebody could use to determine? Um, that that's gen- that's going to be the general methods. Okay. That you yeah. see. I mean, mainly camera surveys. Yeah. I mean, most of the time, if somebody wants me to give them a population estimate, mm-hmm. I'm relying on a camera survey. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. And we still do you know a few a and, year and and with you guys you know working for the state previously like is that is that kind of how the state determines that too like does, when someone says hey they alabama's number two in deer density like how does that number come how do they come to that conclusion is that like <laughs> uh, or is that going to uh, be you like ever seen the game of darts <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah um, no they they relied they they would do the 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 spotlight survey mm-hmm. counts every year on the same properties. Okay. So they would just basically use you know generalized numbers to extrapolate into uh, that, that's right. Ra- you know and, it, there, and there's really they have to do that because people ask them for those numbers right. in publications. Um but there's no need in knowing it. Why does Alabama need to know there's 1.8 million deer. Right. What, what? How does that help you manage it? it? What, it what do you? It what does you nothing uh, to know except for somebody's going to ask you that question. So you need to have an answer, and you need to be able to somehow back up that answer. Well, this is how we derived those numbers, mm-hmm. uh, and really, it's incredibly inaccurate. Uh, to, to, I mean, to even to throw out population numbers. At a county level, mm-hmm. it's impossible. Because look, in, in this it, county, okay, what, uh, yeah. I, well, I'm just giving an example. Here, where we're at, has a pretty high deer population. Mm-hmm. You go 20 miles east of here, and I've got I've got clients over there that that I recommend they kill a deer per four to five hundred acres. Cool, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, when you said you know, it it changes. Marshall County. I mean, you have the state park. Yes, that, that's I, loaded down. My farm is five point one miles from the state park, and best I remember when we surveyed the park, 
it was way over 100 deer per square mile. Oh, it's ridiculous. I, I think it's it, ridiculous. I think it was between 150 and two. I, our project, deer project leader, Chris Cook, would probably remember better, but I, I think it was somewhere between 150, 200 deer per square mile. And even at, that, at those numbers, those deer were incredibly healthy, were yeah. they not? Well, eventually they were. Prior to the tornado, they were in terrible health. Right. Oh, uh, gotcha. The, the tornadoes that came through uh, really laid down all that big closed canopy timber, created tremendous amount of browse, and, and those deer just absolutely, that population boomed. Mm -hmm. uh, but my farm, both of our farms, one of them is 5.1, 5.2 miles from the state park lodge. The other one's about seven. Um, the one that's the closest – I've never seen a deer. You got no deer ever. That's the so one that's crazy. seven miles. Uh, if you killed a deer per four or five hundred, you killed the deer you have. Yeah, that's it. That I mean, you killed the adult deer. Mm -hmm. Like I run cameras on my place and uh, and a couple of neighbors there, which is going to total two or three hundred acres, two sixty I think. We have one doe, two fawns that we have consistently on on all those properties on all those properties. Yeah. And there's a buck that runs through every now and then. Obviously, she's got to be bred. Mm -hmm. um, but we, we don't have any that's there consistently. Uh, and like I said, the other one, never seen never seen a deer. And it's a, closer to the state park. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm fairly sure the reason for that is uh, Short Creek that mm -hmm. runs through there is a pretty sheer rock wall. So it's a, it's a pretty good boundary for a whitetail mm -hmm. uh, right there where we're at. But. You go a few miles north or down to the the state park, and it's not as steep, and deer can cross. But mm -hmm. that's yeah, it's interesting because, like you said, we've talked about it a lot, but it is the vacuum. It, it is <laughs> compared to the Absolutely. rest of the state, and it, mm -hmm. we got a tremendous human population too. So that's, that's true. That's part of it, no doubt. Um, and that kind of leads you talking about uh, deer per square mile. Um, this is some, a question I've had for a long time. I'm glad that got two guys in here to ask it. But how many, like we've, we've talked about how to establish your deer density, a couple different ways of doing that, but how do you determine that you have an overpopulation or an underpopulation? Like how, how, do you, how do you determine, like, you know, like I know a lot of times I've, um, you'll hear someone say, Oh man, you should get in this lease over here with us, man. It's covered up in deer. There's deer running <laughs> everywhere over there. And then you'll hear us talk about Marshall, you know, Marshall County, and go, man, there's not a deer in this whole place, you know. Right. So, um, how, how do you determine over under? Boy, that's the question that keeps on giving. Yep. <laughs> I think sure we could is. talk for hours and hours on that because it goes back to what I said earlier. Once you know how many deer you got. Now what? <laughs> yeah. What do you? What are you gonna do with it? Yeah. What do you really know? Because mm. I, you know, on forums and different conversations, are like, well, we got too many deer. Okay. How do you know? Well, we did a camera survey and we've got eighty deer a square mile. Okay. Do you know anything about your habitat? No. Uh, Y'all plant food plots? Yeah. Y'all run feeders? Oh yeah, yeah. We we feed them year round. I'm like. So how do you know you're, you've got too many deer? How do you know your deer are unhealthy? We just got too many. I'm like, hmm. sounds right. logical. Because <laughs> <laughs> I see a lot of them. Yeah. yeah. Um, or, or the, the, you know, a lot of times the excuse is, well, we've got mature bucks, but 
you know, we're they're not reaching their what we feel their potential should be. You know, we're only growing 110 inch deer. Well, how you know? How you know that's not their potential? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're it just yeah. Don't it, don't care how much food yeah, it eats. <laughs> yeah, w- one answer leads to another question. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's. I mean, Matt, it, uh, to me, knowing the, the, the overall population is less important than knowing your age structure, sex ratios, phone recruitment, and the other parameters that you gain from those camera surveys. Mm-hmm. Um, those are more important to me. When, and also finding out what the, the landowner, the hunter's objectives are. Mm. Because me personally, I don't want a very high deer density. And the reason why is because it's annoying to spook deer going to my stand and leaving from my stand every time I'm hunting. That's true. Some people don't care about that. I do because I'm after specific deer, and I don't want to spook everything in the woods to kill that deer. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm willing to harvest a little more for the benefits of taking mature deer. Other people, they're fine with 100 deer per square mile, and they want to see deer every time they hunt. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with either one of them. Um, but you just tweak your management. That's yeah, but, but let me <laughs> let me tell you, I'm that guy. If if, if you are that guy, and, and you take a property and you build it up to a really high deer density, mm-hmm. it is tough to go the other way. Yes, it's it's much easier to build a property f- from a low deer density up than it is to take a high deer density place and knock it down. And here's really? the thing, yeah, if 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 you want a high deer density, um. One of the things you have to have on the landscape, and you have to have it repeatedly, is early successional habitat. Mm-hmm. You've got to have openings. You've got to have clear cuts. You've got to have, you know, if 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 you're not actively managing it, then the only way you're going to get that is through storm damage, wind damage, like we were talking about, or like yeah, Jeremy mentioned with the yeah. tornado over at Gunnersville. That laid down so much beneficial browse for mm-hmm. deer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's. If you compare two properties, you know, that we hunt right here, say this property, and then we, there's another one four or five miles down the road, mm-hmm. the deer herds are two totally different deer herds as far as what they're expressing. Mm-hmm. And it's not a genetic thing. No. The deer are expo- The deer here have much higher quality food available, and we don't feed. I mean, we don't feed anything here. Just I, incredible I, native browse. Yeah, I, I put corn out to, to run camera surveys and to find out what we have. Mm-hmm. But as far as supplemental feed, we don't feed anything. And we're producing really good deer. I was going to say, that is counterculture to what anybody's uh, going to say now. Look, it's like, man, you got to feed, you got to mm-hmm. feed. Oh, well, look, what's the name of my business? Habitat First. You give me a property and <laughs> let me work on your habitat, and I can blow your mind. Not feed first. And not feed, yeah, it's <laughs> not feed first. <laughs> you know? And I'm not against supplemental feeding. I'm just saying there's a better way. That's right. And, you know, it, it, supplemental feeding is just that. It is a supplement mm-hmm. to what you're already providing. That's a piece of the puzzle that if, once you're doing the other things right, mm-hmm. add that in. Right. But if you're not doing the other things right, if try, you, try pissing in the wind. If you've got, you if you've got right. poor quality habitat and you're pouring supplemental feed to two wild, free-ranging deer that have choices not to mm-hmm. go to that feeder, then you're, the results you will see are negligible. Very, very But neat. if you've got really good, high-quality habitat and your deer are in superb condition and then you throw that supplemental feed on top of that, you can have some noticeable gains. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So I guess that's that would be the response to – if you ain't baiting, you're waiting, you know, <laughs> like, not necessarily, you know, I guess. Yeah. 
and, and Matt talked about some of the other metrics that you get from the camera surveys on, on properties that, that we manage, even if we don't have any harvest history, we're going to immediately start taking harvest history. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to take body condition metrics, especially a, a couple of the certain ones. Uh, we want our clients to be doing uh, kidney fat index. So taking the kidneys out, weighing that fat, and that, that gives us a metric of how that deer is doing. But you can't do that drawn out through the season because it changes. Right. Mm -hmm. So you've, got, you've really got to focus in on shooting quite a few deer at one time, you know, taking the data, take that data down and then process that data and keep it. Make sure you don't lose it because that happens a lot. Uh, do it again, same time next year. And you can see those changes in body conditions if you're doing things right. I promise you, if you've got a closed canopy forest that you're hunting and you do some clear cutting or thinning and, and get that native browse mm -hmm. going and you're tracking that, you're going to see those body conditions increase. You're mm -hmm. going to see that uh, increase in recruitment rates and, uh, you know, possibly even your birth rates. Mm -hmm. Average, most of our deer here in Alabama are having twins anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but you'll see in some really, really prime areas, you'll see quite a few does throwing triplets mm -hmm. and have the ability to raise them. Yeah, mm -hmm. we've, we've seen that quite often here in a, in a good wet summer. Mm-hmm. We'll have, we'll have triplets. And see, that's the difference here than what I go back to Marshall County, but Marshall County is in the Cumberland Plateau, close yep. canopy hardwoods mm -hmm. primarily. Mm -hmm. uh, that habitat just cannot grow that many deer that quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, I think when we were still working with the state, most of the deer, you know, where we are in south, uh, you know, the areas that are not in the Cumberland, were right at, the recruitment rate was what, right at two? Mm -hmm. And then, but... But where we are, man, it was just barely over one. Mm -hmm. So you're you're every time a deer is killed, you know you're taking one out, but you're only getting one here. You know, you take one out, but you you're getting two. Yeah, mm -hmm. reproductive uh, rates around here are pretty pretty solid. They're good. Yeah, uh, they're just not that way, um, and that's what hurt North Alabama, where we had a lot of complaints uh, when when I was at you know at the state of. We're not seeing the deer we used to in Jackson County, Madison County, mm -hmm. you know, the little bitty tiny corner of Marshall County that's got deer. <laughs> right. Um, everybody started complaining, and but the whole state was being managed the same way. Um, you know, you were able to kill two does a day mm -hmm. and a buck a day, you know, up to up to three for several years now. Uh, but we, you know, we had to back off of that. Yeah. You know, a big portion of North Alabama. Yeah, Tennessee uh, Valley and, and – yeah, biologists did a real good job 25, 30 years ago when the deer population was really on the climb and at its height of saying you cannot kill too many does. Well, in places you absolutely can. Yep. Mm -hmm. uh, now, there are certain places that, they're, that, that that's an accurate statement, but in the Cumberland Plateau in North Alabama, that is not an accurate statement. Yeah, a blanket and, statement. Yeah, right. and, and we – we as biologists have done a very poor job of going back and saying, hey, what we preach to you and what you're living by is wrong, and here's why. Mm -hmm. um, if we as an industry had have done better at that, I think folks would understand and, and uh, really, I guess, listen more because, you know, they'll have biologists out and, and 
they'll tell them that and they're like, well, you know, that's not what we've been told our whole life. You know, you're wrong. Well, no, the science, the science hasn't changed. We just have better information than we used to have. And, and another factor that we are having to take into consideration now that we didn't back in the seventies and eighties, which I would have been a wee little lad in the eighties, but uh, coyote predation. Mm-hmm. Is, that was a non-factor then. That's right. And and now it is in a lot of areas. And and, yeah. and vehicle collisions. Yep. Is go, you know, everything, you know, all of the mortality factors for a whitetail are going up. Mm-hmm. I mean, even us as hunters are much more efficient killers than we've ever been mm-hmm. because we've got game camera pictures coming to our cell phones. We've got archery equipment that we can confidently shoot 50 60 yards we've got crossbows that people can fairly confidently shoot 80 to 100 yards you know rifle equipment and optics is better than it's ever been mm-hmm. uh we are very efficient killers yeah no doubt well and i mean something you said earlier um hey i'm just not seeing mm-hmm. deer i used to see or whatever and I, I mean i'm gonna throw this out there and just you guys push back if i'm wrong but like just because you're not seeing those deer doesn't mean that they're not there that's, that's right. a fact you know that's a fact i mean there's again i can talk and tell you other scenarios of, of leases that i've been in but um where people kind of get overkill on the rules you know this is what we're gonna harvest this is what we're not gonna harvest yep. and all this kind of you know, crazy rules and restrictions and i'm i'm telling you uh, I'm not about that stuff at all. Um, I can't stand it. I just we are two opposing views. Well, I mean, my thing is just I love it. It's just a it's it's purely for my enjoyment. Yep. I love to take that bow with me from opening day to the last day of the season. And Everybody, shoot anything you want to, and shoot whatever. I mean, not every deer I see, but if I want to shoot it, mm-hmm. then I will shoot it. Mm-hmm. And but you I, said it before that. Carrying that every day is a management philosophy. It, it that is, is. And because I mean, it's going to limit the number of deer you yes, can absolutely. drastically. And that's and it's it's clear it's purely just because I like it. It's not because of even with your space age side. Of I, there. Man, I right. love that. And we've yeah, <laughs> love it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, but you know what I mean. I, I just it's just for enjoyment. That's fine. Um, and that's why if I get in some place that has crazy restrictions and rules and stuff i'm like dude i've got a bow in my hand mm-hmm. like you know what i mean I pr- i'm not gonna do enough damage to a property with that than something else but um but yeah just, what i was getting at is people would go man we're just not seeing deer and it's yeah. like well you know i'm i'm a hundred yards off of that food plot that you like to I sit on and i see plenty well let me tell you i'll, <laughs> you I'll give you a case so i'll use our place for an example um i've got to stand four-tenths of a mile that direction. I, it, I've, I've got a nice, big, beautiful food plot. I've got bait out there. I run a camera, seeing what's there, what's using the area. I can sit on that food plot during daylight hours and see two or three deer. And this is an unpressured area. Keep that in mind. We don't hunt much. Mm-hmm. So on an unpressured food plot, getting all kind of usage, but it's all at night. Mm-hmm. I can back off that food plot and see 25 deer. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm yeah. not going to see them from the food plot. Well, they're not five miles away. Right. They're dark. literally just outside the food <laughs> right. plot, just out of view in thicker cover, meandering around the outskirts of this food plot all day long. I can see deer there, you know, 
all throughout the day. And I remember I've rolled up on some properties. One was on the Jackson-Madison County line. And, you know, they were like, we know we've got deer. We just don't ever see deer. And and I got up there and I got to looking. And, you know, of course, the food plots are eating down. There's deer trails through the woods, uh, droppings everywhere, rubs and scrapes. And I'm like, yeah, I don't have a deer population problem. Let's start talking about how you're hunting. Mm-hmm. Come to find out. They got a pressure problem. They got a pressure problem. They just didn't, they didn't think that the things that matter to deer mattered. Mm-hmm. And you can't matter put big that, time. they matter huge, big time, bigly. I, I get, I get tickled, just tickled inside when <laughs> folks talk about, well, you can't kill mature buck over corn. Oh, mm. bull, bull crap. <laughs> I, I do it once or twice a year. You can do it. You can absolutely do it. Now they're, they're. I, we can go over there and get a couple of them that that I've shot that way. Uh, just you know, you, you it's can't the way be, I'm hunting over there because I don't have anything else to hunt. Yeah, but even hunting but, over corn, you can't be stupid. No, you have to play the wind. You have to hunt it on the right that, day. That's it. But you know, the guys are they've got their cell cam out. So hey, we're not going in there all the time. We're just going in there when it's when when we know the deer's there. Mm-hmm. We, you know what time he's going to be there, and they slip in, but they pay no mind of the wind mm-hmm. or any other thing you know how does the deer access and where do you think he's coming from because a I lot can, of times I, I can promise you you're walking by them and that's why you're not yeah, seeing and them. a lot of times those deer you're you're looking at a snapshot of what's actually taking place mm-hmm. in that camera lens. a tiny little snapshot. and a lot of times when you think oh this deer is entering from the west no he's not he's coming from the east it's and he's circling certain. that whole thing at 60 to 80 yards before he comes in. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, he's coming from the west side of the frame, but he's actually coming from this direction. Yeah, for sure. And, and that I'm, happens a lot. Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, you know, Matt says all about the acorns, baby. All, it is. all about the acorns, baby. All about and the I'll pressure, you, baby. And look, we'll, <laughs> while we're talking about pressure and, and, and how deer respond and how they behave, when I'm hunting natural food sources, acorns, mm-hmm. deer are at such ease. It's just like they're yep. doing what deer do. They're not on alert. That's a they good have point. no care in the world. What is every deer doing that approaches a corn pile? They pins and needles. <laughs> they're just like this. Yeah. They're freaked I mean, out. They're, they're freaked out the whole time. Yeah. And drawing on a, when you have seven to ten sets of eyeballs out there at 25 yards, try drawing a bow back. Yep. And I'll go ahead and tell you, these deer, you know, we've had, what's baiting been legal, four years now? Uh, something yeah. like that. Sounds yeah. like yeah, something sounds about right. Yeah. And then we had several years of 100 yards and out of the right. site. Let so. me tell you something. If you don't think deer have not figured out they get shot standing in front of those feeders, <laughs> you have lost your mind. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. We, yep. I've got feeders out, and you can go pour a pile of corn 10 yards in the woods away from that spin cast feeder, and you'll get bucks on that. And, and you will never see them in front right. of those spin cast yeah. feeders. I've got bucks that I'll never get on a feeder. Never. They're mm-hmm. not showing up on a feeder. Yeah. You just have to pour it out. Yeah. If you pour it on the ground, they're coming to it. But yeah. they will not show up to a feeder. That's funny. Uh, there's only, before we move on, there's one other thing I just kind of had a thought. When you were talking about the kidney fat index mm-hmm. stuff, you said that um, you want to harvest like a lot of deer at one specific time. Yep. And like look at that fat, see if mm-hmm. they, you know, how healthy they are. Is there a specific time, like, or, or let me back up. Do you do that when you feel like the deer are at their healthiest point of the year, or do you do that 
at, or does it matter? I guess it, it doesn't matter as long as it's consistent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, like, are you trying to do you, this in October when you, everything's you, green and lush and stuff, or are you waiting until like the end of the rut? Well, here's the thing: early? if if you do it early in the season, keep in mind that does are lactating; mm-hmm. they're they're nursing. Um, that's now, a stressor. That's a stressor. But now they can still be in real good condition mm-hmm. that time of year. But the main thing is, if you're going to pull kidney fat index this year in October. Don't pull it in January next year right, and right. compare the results. It's a total different window. Right. Yeah. You're, you're going to get completely different results. Mm-hmm. Well, less food and rut and you yeah. know, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. I generally, like if I were doing it here where we're at, our rut is December 15th to Christmas, maybe tailing into the first week of January. With our season going, unfortunately, into February, so, I'm going to do it at, right at the end of January so that we're not shooting deer you know prior to the rut Mm -hmm. um because we're trying to get several deer on the ground we're doing it with rifles Mm -hmm. right Uh, you know it's easy to go out and a great thing you know for us in alabama is if you enroll your property in the deer management program there are some different stipulations that go along with the regulations that allow us to shoot more deer than than you're legally allotted if you're not in that program Mm -hmm. per day so we can go out matt and i could Said, hey man, we're you know it's the week we need to do it. He and I could go shoot five or six deer in a day, mm-hmm. uh, you know, together. Uh, or alone. Or, or alone. We can shoot Matt, ten. Matt, Matt's done it all together. I have before. shot. I have shot five in one one afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but don't don't write us tickets, guys. No, I mean I, we were in <laughs> it's DMAP. Perfect, it's perfectly yeah, it's legal. Perfectly legal. But <laughs> if you're in DMAP, you can you can. There there are some great things that go along with DMAP. Yeah, we have a do down throw down every year. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> So it, it it's great to do that all at one time, and you know we have a big time with it, and we you know shoot a few deer with a rifle and then put them up mm. unless it's raining. Y'all, mine may be in the background. It's supposed to rain tomorrow, so I'm I'm shooting a boomstick tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah. a re- real quiet boomstick because it's got a suppressor. There I don't go. I don't like loud noises. I don't yeah. either. Less loud. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, one question I'm going to throw at you here, and this is really just, I guess, more of an opinion than anything else. Um, how how much do you feel like the the deer density statements that are put out by and with the state or whatever, is that, um, like, influenced by, like, insurance companies and things like that where they're like, hey, we want you killing lots of deer because we don't want as many collisions, you know, on the road or, or those sort of – I know it's kind of a weird question. I, guess, I, but. I think people are going to disagree, but I think it has zero impact. Yeah, I mean, you hear the, all the conspiracy theories and all. I, honestly, I think most state agencies are using the best information they have available to throw the that's right. out there. Now, I don't think that it's influenced by that at all. You know, regulations that's passed by legislature that, that happens outside of – game and fish agencies mm-hmm. lobbying plays a role in that mm-hmm. much more than a decision that's made by game and fish mm-hmm. i mean we we heard it you know how stupid we were and that uh our director and our commissioner were were idiots for making decisions decisions that they made we made the best decisions we felt possible now sometimes we didn't agree with them, and we voiced that opinion. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, many times we lost out, but most of the time they generally try to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is difficult that I have seen in Alabama that always kind of bothered me, as compared to some other states, uh, is 
we do have a very different deer herd in, across the state and you could probably break our state up into what seven or eight different zones probably mm-hmm. and be be safe and, mm-hmm. and manage them very accurately for the parameters that that we have found through decades of mm-hmm. of research mm-hmm. um and right now was there four zones or five now a b c d e e there's an e okay there's an e. okay isn't there an e i think so so we're we're getting there but it has taken a long time and i think Part of it, uh, I never was in enforcement. Matt was, um, but I did get to to sit in some of the high level meetings with enforcement, and some of the decisions came down to we're going to have a really tough time enforcing this, mm-hmm. even though this may be right. Mm-hmm. We can't enforce it, so you as biologists figure out how we can move forward and figure out how to enforce this accurately and not break, not make lawbreakers out of people that's going to attempt to follow the law. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where some of the zone changes came in that, that missed or added a lot of portions of counties because they were looking for very easily definable areas, big highways, big bodies of water, mm-hmm. um, and things of that nature, you know, using county lines. And we work. used the best, you know, boundaries that we could. And some people, you know, they'd look at the map, why didn't y'all include this little area? Well, it's not easy to define that area. Right. Mm-hmm. It goes one mile over, uh, you know, this major tributary that, that's an easy defining line. We can't draw an arbitrary line mm-hmm. and enforce mm-hmm. it. So we're going to make lawbreakers on both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was very difficult. And I, I don't think people understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was also in a meeting where uh, it was very blatant that folks further up than our level, and I, I'm going to say even you know above, um, maybe even above the director level at that point in time, did not think that our general population could determine you know the the boundaries uh, without them being these big massive easily identifiable roads and 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 uh tributaries and i i give our population a little more credit i think they can mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um we could use some smaller areas or, or smaller uh tributaries highways roads things like that i mean for crying out loud i think was it arkansas they got 16 or 17 different zones uh, and by the way they have a commissioner per zone oh wow <laughs> Imagine all the politics that gets involved <laughs> in their game and fish. If, think, yeah. if folks think it's bad in Alabama, which it's I, – I never saw a lot of politics involved in what we did. Yes, there was politics involved. I didn't like it when it did get involved. Um, but it, it wasn't every day, mm-hmm. like, yeah. like people think. Gotcha. I was just curious, you know, uh, different thought. But um, we've already kind of talked about – I've got – here you know what factors can contribute to deer density you know we've talked about food and browse hunting pressure yeah. that sort of thing is there anything you want to add to that or we this thing right here yeah <laughs> pulling the trigger <laughs> that that depending on what quality rifle you have that 16th of an inch or that half inch right there <laughs> yeah. uh it, it makes all the difference in the world and in, in, in most cases if you've got a tremendous piece of property one that's managed the nines if you do that too much you can 
you can still ruin it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I tell people every time you pull the trigger, it's a management decision. Mm-hmm. You may think each individual deer doesn't matter, but they add up. Yeah. So every time you pull the trigger, and it's a management and, and decision. particular does matter, man. I mean, if you can determine, um, you know, if you're trying, especially if you're trying to build a herd. If you can determine these does that are successfully raising twins versus these that, man, I only see her with a with one fawn every year, and and I don't see her raising it successfully all the time, man, shoot shoot her, mm-hmm. you know, keep that baby mama out there that's successful. Right. Um, now, if you're trying to knock a herd back, do the opposite. <laughs> right. And uh, you know, going out to Texas, you know, hunting with <laughs> with our buddy Cody. Uh, through the years they man they they knew uh and now i don't believe you could know every deer on mm-hmm. a five thousand acre high fence but by gosh they knew most of them they did and uh you know we'd go out there and just go on deer killing sprees because landowners didn't want to and their guests didn't want to so they needed some alabama rednecks to come out there and kill stuff <laughs> gladly yeah so you know when we'd get in the stand we'd sit there kind of party yeah we, <laughs> we'd sit there and twiddle our thumbs in these giant shooting houses with bows uh most of the time we shot a few with a rifle most of the time it was bows mm-hmm. uh and we'd sit there and you know there's 30 40 deer out there and there's a 200 inch deer that you could drop an arrow on and uh <laughs> There'd be, you know, just bucks filing in, and all of a sudden, Cody say, "Get your bow, shoot that one," and you're like, "Okay," so shoot that one. You just keep sitting there, you know, everything leaves and then it comes, comes back. Right back. Yep, and he's like, "You see that doe? Kill her. See that doe? Kill her. What about that one? No, kill her. Yeah, kill that one. Right <laughs> kill <there>. that one. <laughs> yeah." And you're like. Okay, and he's like, okay, we're not we're not killing anything else here. That's mm-hmm. what we needed to do. Yeah. Um, that you know they they lived it every day. And they had their finger uh, yeah. on the pulse. Well, that's what I was gonna say. You you would have to do. You'd have to live it. I mean, look, they were they were sitting on stand. I mean, this, this, the staff were sitting on stands, videoing deer every day. Every, every day. day, even if they have no clients, no hunts, you know, no hunters, they're they're on stand and we observing deer. I I can confidently say that I've never been on a piece of property in the south that's managed like those oh, in, no. in Texas. Yeah, I no. mean, th- there's properties that are very well managed, but nothing like some of those operations out there. Sure. Gotcha. Well, um, and I guess it kind of the, the last question that I have here, and we'll kind of wrap it up with this is if you're, you know, a landowner and you happen to be listening to, to the conversation we've been having, this is probably where I feel like that where the conversation would need to go is, what can a landowner do to improve their deer population? You know, as far as like, is it strictly a habitat Habitat thing? first, man. Yeah, hey, habitat, he, he, he's it, got the right name. Yeah, it, is it that? Is it, it, is it less hunting pressure? Is it a mix of all? Is it? Yes. It, it's a mix know? of yes. everything. It, you have to picture deer management like a giant puzzle, and you've got to put all the pieces in place if you want to be really successful. Mm-hmm. If you just leave one out here and one out there, it's going to take a place that could be premier just down to above average. Yeah, I mean, you look, you can do all the habitat work. You can have a pristine property with excellent habitat and be a poor hunter and not be successful. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's really about managing – the hunter's expectations um, with the habitat that they have, mm. the resources and budget that they have, 
because uh, that's not the same. And and I don't try to get in people's business, but that's one of the first things we discuss on a site visit. Got to be. I, I need to know how much money you're, you're willing, willing to, spend to spend because that's going to determine what I recommend. Yep. Right. I mean, and we're, Taylor, you and I, we've talked about this place. Need to get Matt to go over there with us. But uh, we're going to go film on a project that we've been working on with, with my company the last two years total mm-hmm. i sold the property to them uh two and a half years ago it's 535 acres and they said man we we just want a premier hunting place okay and i said are you gonna how are you guys gonna hunt and they said well we're not big hunters so we're gonna need advice great mm-hmm. okay and uh from there they just they asked what's it gonna cost and i gave them a rough number which was a very large number um they said okay we'll we'll scream uncle if if you spend too much (laughs) and um we we have really we've had six-figure invoices yeah just on individual projects out there um but when we're done it it's a finished place if they hunt it right it it'll serve them for years and they'll one day when they sell it or their kids sell it they're going to make a premium yeah. on one of the best properties in the state not not because i did it but because it as long as they follow the plan mm-hmm. uh they're going to do what 90 percent of people don't do mm-hmm. is stick with the plan yeah that's awesome well um and i guess well i, th- I said that was the last question kind of follow up here for improving your habitat um, this is something that's heavily debated and talked about a lot. And I just kind of hear my dad in my head, you know, talking about this like stuff he said before. Um, but what, what is a reasonable amount of land or, you know, I guess, or neighbors mm. or whatever, like, because <laughs> the argument is, you know, oh gosh, man, you don't even need to worry about trying to improve anything or manage your deer herd or whatever because you've only got x amount of land and all your neighbors kill everything that walks so why do you why even try why even care it i mean is that a valid argument or in is places it, yeah or, it or, is. Or, or is like i'll it, put i'll put it to you this way you can have 40 acres with excellent neighbors mm-hmm. and that's all you need mm-hmm. or you can have four thousand acres that's surrounded by subdivisions with people shooting them out of their windows over corn piles because everybody can do that now legally. Mm-hmm. And you will literally drive yourself insane trying to produce mature deer. The The number of high fences going up in the state increases every year because we have so many folks. And look, I'm not a big landowner. We own a total of right at 200 acres. Mm. So we're, we're – we're a large landowner by Alabama standards, but we're a small landowner by by deer man by deer by, management. Yeah, standards, by, by yeah. what we do, we're we're a small landowner, and we've got one neighbor that you know he he ruins it for for everybody, and you know I don't mind telling him that I've told him that plenty of times, <laughs> but he makes it so that the the one farm that we've got that's got deer, we we're doing great to you know have the picture of the one doe and a couple of fawns because of one neighbor. Our property here, we've got one neighbor. Now it's fairly significant amount of acres. It's got a got a club, 
man, with with the efficiency of how we can kill deer now with all the tools that we have, they can kill every single two and three year old out there that we we pass. And it's when's the last time we killed a deer here? A buck, a mature buck, five year old. Oh, a five? Yeah, the one Caleb killed. That's years ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, the last three years we haven't even hunted here. We on on that section because yeah, we, it's just not. It, I'll put it to you this way: we've got one section across the county road. We've got great neighbors, and I think we entered the season with seventeen or nineteen mature bucks. And I'm calling mature buck. I mean, like four plus. Four plus, yeah. Yeah, on the other side of the road, we had two, mm-hmm. two, and there's more acreage over here. By a significant amount. And it's just. And, I'm not mad at the folks. No. It's just we're not on the same page management-wise. They're well within their legal rights. Right, right. Yeah. But now, a couple of years ago, um, I kept up with it. There were – I think they killed 85% of our three-year-old age mm-hmm. class that year. And, I mean, you just can't – So, know. all right, well, let me ask you this, though, because – so how does that change what you do here on the on the, on the it property? Hasn't. Or, or it, 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 it hasn't. Or does it? It hasn't yet. But at some point, it it would. Yeah, we've you know, we've discussed it today. I yeah, mean, we yeah. we've got two or three four year old bucks over there right now, mm. and we'd love to kill. We we're not even going to five. Right, we're trying to get them to five, but we're not going to even hunt this year. We didn't hunt last year or the year before or the year before that. This would be the fourth season in a row that we that we just pay the lease. Some of it's owned, but most of it's leased. We plant the food plots. We keep cameras up. You know, we keep property maintained, and don't even hunt. And, and don't 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 hunt it because of one club, one one group, one group of hunters. Yeah. And and that that that, that story is repeated over and over. Yeah. I, I've got clients, I've got clients that are wanting to produce mature deer that have hundreds of acres. Some of them a couple thousand acres, and um, I've got two that have approached me and said we we literally just want to sell everything in Alabama and just give up because, you know, what we want to do and what we're able to do are two totally different yeah, things. Mm-hmm. Sure, and, and unfortunately, um, and I, I know it happens in other states, but I've hunted in all the southeastern states a significant amount because I lived there. Alabama is by far the worst when it comes to neighbors not getting along over hunting right (laughs) it can be awful if if and i'm going to use the club bordering us as an example if they would get on board with us they would be you know it's going to take them three or four years and that's what they don't want to go through is Mm -hmm. the three or four years of not being able to kill that many deer but they would be able to kill just as many bucks. They're just going to be mature Older. bucks. They're going to be more mature bucks. They're going to be better. They're going to see more deer. Um, nothing about the number is going to change, Mm-mm. except for going through that three to four years of growing pains of having to get those deer in those older age classes. And in the northeast and other parts of the country, you've got – dozens and dozens and dozens of landowners that come together meet cook out man they have a big time and they've got a cooperative and a lot of them own less than 40 acres right but they're and in big cooperatives they're in big cooperatives and and we've kind of accomplished that here 
we, we've got some cooperating. We do. We, we've here. got several cooperating landowners, but it's it you know it's that one, and I see it from the real estate side of things, um, and and it's it can be difficult to you know people ask well this looks like a premier hunting place why why is it being sold mm-hmm. and you know if i know it's because of the neighbor you know i'm legally i've, I've got to tell them well it looks great but these guys are going to kill every deer that walks across the line they got shooting houses on the line uh and, and the other the the current landowner is just tired of fighting that fight mm-hmm. and every and I, and I don't know how you fix this. I don't guess you do because um, we, we, I think you made the comment today, every guy that's got a rifle and a quarter acre in his backyard can go put a corn pile in it and shoot mm-hmm. deer and can shoot a doe a day and up to three bucks off of that one spot. And if you've got a thousand acre landowner, think about how many neighbors he's got mm-hmm. most of the time. Mm-hmm. And they're all doing that, and unfortunately, what what you're going to see as hunters gravitate to the edges of a property they know being managed, mm-hmm. and, and shooting those those ma- more mature bucks uh, or or middle aged bucks because they're not growing them, they don't typically see them on the other side of the property. But they do over here. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to go sit over there, and I'm going to kill that three year old because it's the best deer I've seen in two years when in reality, there's four and five year olds walking around. You know, if he didn't kill that three year old, that'd be another four or five year old, mm-hmm. and they have a legitimate chance at a, you know, really nice deer mm-hmm. in a year or two. You know, we we've discussed this in a previous um, podcast episode. None of it to me is worth ruining relationships. No, over. Like, no. I still have great relationship with our neighbors that, that shoot it. younger deer. I mean, I'm not going to press the issue. It's not worth it. Sure. Um, We'd love for them to get on board. Right. We just have different management objectives, and that's okay. But we do treat this side of the property differently Mm -hmm. because there's just not – the kind of deer we're after, Mm -hmm. they're not there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They could be, um, but, you know, it is frustrating – you know, I oftentimes hear people say, well, what is it to you what your neighbor's killing? Well, it is a lot to me when I'm putting in resources for something I want to do on my place and can't. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, it, it's, it just is what it is. You know, people get real frustrated when they want to have something and they're putting their resources and money into it and they can't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if it's their own property. Oh, yeah. You know? Well, it's like the age-old question, where, does, where do your rights yeah. stop? And where do mine start? You know, it's kind of that point. My rights end at the end of my fist, and yours start at your nose. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you got to figure out how to work work with these folks. You got to work with people. I mean, it's, it's you got but to. Imagine, and that's what I tell folks when I've talked about <clears throat> cooperatives, and we tried to get them going at the at the state in certain mm-hmm. areas. And you just sit down and talk with these people. Imagine if y'all all worked toward the same goal. Mm-hmm. What what could be done? And most of the time, I find it it's generally ego driven. You usually have a couple, and I'm doing what I want. Mm-hmm. I don't care what they're doing. I'm gonna do what I want. It's my place, you know. And that's fine. I mean, yeah. it, but when you have a a group of people 
that can put their minds together and work toward one common goal. It just benefits everybody. And I'm not saying everybody's got to think like me. Yeah. That, that's not nah. what I'm saying. I mean, I, I honestly think diversity is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, we, we don't we don't view it the same. No, I mean, you know, and we're sitting in the same room right here having this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I got I got tickled about your guy that you hunted with in Kansas. You know, he and his neighbor couldn't get along. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> you know, apparently. Said, you, he, you, oh, so I was like, I said, so how did, you know, this guy had hundreds of acres, like just scat, farms scattered all over. And he had one in the walk-in hunting program. And I'm like, how did that happen? He goes, oh, just a little, you know, thing between me and my neighbor. We had a little argument over hunting and, and everything. He said, so I just told him I'd put it in walk-in area and then everybody could hunt it. And it really ticked off his neighbor because oh, yeah. they were having a discussion on, you know, what <laughs> yeah. what's going to yeah. be shot and who's going to hunt where and all this kind of stuff. And he's sure. like, well, heck, man, I'll just let everybody hunt here. Yeah. You know? Golly. So. And, 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 <laughs> and see, that here we don't have that, but that's where the high fence mentality comes in. Right. I've got multiple <clears throat> clients now that have asked me about it. And I used to be not dead set against it, but I'm like, why? That introduces a lot of other stress that you've got to endure. It's uh, just tremendously expensive. I think that stuff's, what, th- I think around thirty-five grand a mile. If now. you include the, the 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 prep work, dirt work, yeah. dozer excavation, everything, you're looking at about forty-five grand a mile. Forty-five right now. now. See, so that, I mean, just a tremendous expense. And but now, I'm actually leaning more towards. I know the resources that you guys are putting into this place. I know for a fact these neighbors, they're, you're never going to own that piece of property. You're never going to change their mind. Mm-hmm. They're going to take advantage of that line year in, year out. Fence it. Yeah. And and I've seen a few guys uh, fence just one side. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're yeah. They're going to cut that neighbor off that doesn't want to work with them. And everybody else, you know, it don't make a ton of sense, especially on a small place. Mm-hmm. But if you've got a big place that's got some other – pretty good boundaries fence that joker down one side and <laughs> end that spat on that side and and work with other folks we've got a we've got a, a, a co-worker in common used to be in your past we all worked the state together that uh, asked me about that while we were hunting in kansas and uh i feel very confident he's going to put up a, a fence down one side of a fairly small track yeah because he's just uh, one neighbor and, and neighbors just honest with him. He was like, man, I'm, I'm killing the first three-year-old that w- walks across here. And by the way, I'm going to do it three times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, more power to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I've, I've, I've kind of come around to that thought. Yeah. And if, if we could work together more as, as a community, as hunters and managers, you wouldn't see that as much. And yeah. that's why, I mean, you know, like I said, having a good relationship, we can disagree. Sure. I mean, it, it, that's one thing I think is wrong with society today is this cancel culture when, you know, me and you have a disagreement. I'm not having anything to do with you anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just going to be enemies. That's so ridiculous. Yeah. Stupid. Because you are, who do you argue more with? Your family. Absolutely. If you did that to your own family, then <laughs> if you're like we'd me, all be you single. With yourself. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, voices. it's just, you know, we can have these discussions without walking away from it thinking I can't, you know, have anything to do with that person anymore. That's just ridiculous. Right. Yeah. And, and 
I just don't know why the the cooperative thing just doesn't work here. I, it it's ego driven. A lot of it is ego driven. It really it, Alabama and and for good reason. You know we're a a private property oh, yeah. rights state, mm-hmm. and there's that's great. I'm I'm all for that. Absolutely. But, um, you know a lot of the issues that arise are more to do to do with ego than property rights mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep and it's crazy well not as crazy as it sounds a lot of it is well, man this wealthy guy moved in here and bought all these all this acres that i used to could hunt or mm-hmm. you know grew up hunting and man he's just not he's not one of us so we're we're not gonna we're not gonna deal with him mm-hmm. when he's doing more for your hunting right he he would benefit through his management, yeah. you just don't understand. Mm-hmm. He's piling resources into managing this place. It's going to benefit you. Yeah. And most of the time it does. You know, right. and, a, so. and a tremendous amount, generally. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's cool, man. I think this is uh, probably this one of the long ones. This is a, well, it was, but, <laughs> I mean, this is uh, just for me personally. I can't speak for anybody else, but got to ask some questions that I've wanted to ask for a long time. So uh, I think it's probably one of the better better episodes that we've had so far and um i bet it'll be controversial yeah, yeah. we'll, we'll get, probably we'll probably get some oh but yeah by the way listen um not that you guys are uh are bashful by any means but if you're listening to this or you watch it or you see any of the reels or shorts or any of that kind of stuff that we throw out there and you think, bring it's, it think it's stupid bring it on man we don't care well, well and we'll see taylor you know i didn't know what i was getting into Taylor likes to bait people in. He'll like he'll take things out of context, and he'll he'll put a little clip on there or something that I say, and I'm like, Taylor, you kind of misrepresented. Well, that's what I want to do. I want him to click on it to find out what the answer is. Yeah, we got We got to get those clicks. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if you see something that uh, that you don't like, let us know. If you see something you do like, let us know. It's yeah. either way. Yeah, not, I mean, not I, hurt anybody's feelings. I, I would I would love to get you know some of the listeners and folks involved and. See how their thoughts are on on some of these topics, especially, oh, especially one like this one. I've had some local folks reach out, and uh, some of them would not mind being a little guest, you know, kind yeah. of sit in and yeah, be a part too. of the podcast. And uh, they might could introduce some thoughts on things that maybe we wouldn't yeah. come up with. Because Matt and I, we do just our backgrounds. We we think a lot alike, and we hunt somewhat alike. I, I'm much more giving. Uh, I'll let I'll oh let gosh. I'll let Taylor shoot a spike. Matt would hang him. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, listen. No I'm, spikes for you. Listen, I'm here. Look, it's, I'm, I'm just uh, gonna make sure to shoot the first two year old I see. Oh, no, honestly, no. Look, I, I'd rather you shoot a spike than a two year old. So yeah. Hey, we've got less resources in him. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Or, or you can come over there to to my place and shoot that three year old spike. Man, don't tempt me with a good please, time. Please, please shoot that. <laughs> um, uh, that's awesome, man. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening in. Um, like we said, please let us know what we're doing right, what you like, what you don't like. Yeah, like uh, and share. Uh, like, share. Yeah, mm-hmm. tell, uh, subscribe. Obviously, we're uh, on the big three. We're on Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, and we're kind of on TikTok. I just – it's a lot to manage. But um, Yeah, because he's got two guys that know absolutely zero about <laughs> No, I can barely other. turn my camera on. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, we're, I'm we're, no we're, good. We're getting there. We're, we're, uh, we're learning. Uh, 
but we can operate the shooting instruments fairly well. There yeah. you go. Yeah, they so, do. They do. Just not with the camera involved. Yeah. If I had a full time <laughs> cameraman, it could be bad. Oh yeah. It, it could be dangerous. I think you we need to uh, do that. Invest in uh, yeah. Habitat first needs a full time camera guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I tell you what, we we need to. We need to get Taylor here on the Doe Rodeo and Oh gosh, yeah. Just you need to uh, be a part of Doe Down Throwdown. That yeah. sounds like my kind of party. It's, <laughs> it's a good one. Um, yep. It's a good cooking uh, you know, heavy drinking <laughs> with water and milk. Right here. Water and milk. This is uh, the only drinking I do. Uh, yeah. We I might have a little we're, we're, we lactose are, toxicity. We, hey, we are definitely going to do the milk challenge. I, I'm going to – I think I can do it. You can't do it. I think I can no, do it. Look, I'm not bragging. You're skinny. I'm fat. Just listen, I'm not bragging. I don't mean I don't know many people that can put milk down like me, and I can't do it. I've tried. I mean, I, with with lots of cash on the table. Yeah. Tell you what, guys. Cash is a motivator. Yeah, and I you, still couldn't do it. If you want to see Jeremy attempt the gallon challenge, then you just uh, you know whatever share this thing. If and it's got to be whole milk. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I, I'm good with that. Hey, <laughs> I tell you what. Uh, how many subscribers? We'll do that at like. What five hundred? Let's do a benchmark. No, we've already yeah. got five hundred. No, well, uh, Instagram, we're over a thousand, and Facebook, we're—I don't know where we're at on that. But uh, well, hey, we, we got. If we can get to ten thousand, I'll try it again. Hey, we'll we, we'll pick a benchmark, and and we'll. Uh, do the I didn't just say challenge. that. On, I did not. Don't don't air that part. Don't <laughs> Sorry, that guys. Part. You heard it first. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, we'll we'll do it together. There you God, go. I don't want to do that again. There you go. I was miserable. I never did th- throw up, but it, it was bad. Bad I just, enough. I felt like I needed to for hours. <laughs> and then we can uh, we we need to do a deer skinning challenge. Oh, I'm right. fairly certain Matt would pull away with that one pretty handily. But what fastest? Get yeah. it? No. Oh, you're done. <laughs> I, I figured I would be. But yeah. if we really want to do that, we need to get one of the Bettendorf boys. Well, hey, three let, three to three and a half minutes, they can have one skinned and quartered. Let, let's, no let's way. Do oh, 100%. I've watched it. I've oh, seen yeah, it. Yeah, we're going to do that. We, sure. uh, yeah. We're, we're going to start having some fun. Yeah. Some sure enough fun. No doubt. Well, thanks, guys. We certainly appreciate it and look for this one. Uh, obviously, um, this will come out. Um, let's see. I guess that would be on. What would that be? On be next Thursday, right? Yeah, yeah. it's going to be the seventh. We'll right? try to do another one from the killing cabin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next time, maybe. Sure enough, big time. No doubt. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys, so much. We'll see you on the next one. Good night. <laughs>